In July of 2007, 11 years ago, I was uh, on a flight from the United States to London to go and visit my brother John, who was uh, living uh, there at the time. And uh, I took two, well, a couple of books with me, but part of that stack of books were volumes one and two of The Wonder of Woodmont, covering the first 25 years and the second 25 years uh, of Woodmont's history. And like I said in the announcements, we will release the third volume uh, next Sunday, July the 15th. But I wanted to, uh, to read as much as I could about this church because I had accepted the call to come here, but I had not yet moved to Nashville. And if you want to understand uh, a, a person or a family or a business or a church, one of the best things you can do is learn about their history. And so I wanted to do that, read about the, the first 50 years, how Woodmont got started and what has kept it alive. Um, and so this morning, what I'd like to do for this message is tell you the story of Woodmont on this summer that we celebrate 75 years. It was a scorching hot summer day here in Nashville on July the 18th, 1943. World War II was raging abroad. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was president. Pearl Harbor had been bombed. D-Day had not yet happened. There was a lot of anxiety and fear and trepidation around the globe, but back here in Nashville, a church was being born or planted. A group of roughly 100 men, women, and children who were then members of Vine Street Christian Church, which was at that time downtown. Now it's next to MBA, but it was downtown. They had had a vision and a dream to start a new church in the Woodmont area of town, south of town, and uh, on this particular day, they were putting that vision into a reality. Um, they were at Woodmont School, which is now where Woodmont Park is located, right off of Estes Road. A um, hundred people were in the sixth grade classroom. They wedged themselves into the, uh, the, the desks awkwardly, self-consciously, but they were very aware of the importance of that grand occasion. That was the beginning at 5 o'clock p.m. on that Sunday evening. That was the first gathering of what would later become known as Woodmont Christian Church. Bess Y. Cochran records the founding this way. She says, Dr. Roger Noe, senior minister of Vine Street, was present and preached, bidding the group Godspeed, asking the blessings of heaven upon it. And then Mr. Bill Carpenter, who is the grandfather of the Bill Carpenter that we now know, the great-grandfather of Mary Claire, uh, stood up and, and, and he read a document that he had prepared called the Covenant. And if you look in your worship bulletin this morning, you'll find a copy of the Covenant. And he invited everybody that had gathered there on that occasion to read that document together. So let's do that this morning. Please join me in reading this. We do hereby solemnly covenant with God and one another to band ourselves together to establish a Christian church in this community for ourselves and posterity. We pledge our time, substance, talents, and prayers to the end that his church shall be a house of prayer for all people, a fellowship of those who believe in Christ and strive to follow his teachings and a part of the church universal. We aim to erect a suitable edifice for divine worship, for Christian education, for stewardship, for world missions, and to minister to the spiritual needs of the community. All of this we covenant to be and do 
under the guidance of God and the leadership of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Well, 75 years, seven and a half decades, if my math is right, over 3,900 Sundays have now passed since that covenant was signed. And since that time, this church has grown from a group of 100 men, women, and children to a well-established church in the heart of Nashville, Tennessee, seeking to be a beacon and a bridge to this community and beyond. And today, we continue the mission and the vision of those founders. A spire was built that you cannot miss if you were driving by or flying over in an airplane. It was dedicated in 1949, lifting high the cross, reminding all of us of the God that we serve who made himself known in Jesus Christ, who was crucified and resurrected on the third day. Our church is alive and well in 2018. In the 16th chapter of Matthew, Jesus asks the apostle Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds by saying, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. To which Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. You know, it's been said many times before that if the church was not of God, it would never have lasted this long because we have done everything in our power to try to screw it up. But it lives on and it carries forth. I heard an interesting sermon when we were on vacation earlier this summer. Uh, we were in the Outer Banks and when we were there, I go to a Methodist church called Duck United Methodist Church. But this was back around Memorial Day Elaine Heath, who's the dean of Duke Divinity School, was preaching that day, and she gave an interesting take on this text from Matthew 16. Uh, particularly, she was talking about the verse uh, regarding the gates of hell, the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And she said, our job as the church is to go rescue people who are living in hell. We go get them where they are, and we show them that there is a better way to live. It might be the hell of depression, the hell of divorce, the hell of addiction, the hell of loneliness, the hell of poverty, the hell of greed, the hell of selfishness. Our call is to go and get them and the gates of Hades cannot keep us out, cannot keep us from doing that. The church has to realize that there is pain and hurt all around us. There is pain and hurt even within the walls of the church. And we are called to go out and show people a better way to live, the way of Christ, the way of love. But we cannot just sit back and expect people to come. We have to go get them. This is our call. This is our charge to be missional. Over the decades, Woodmont has welcomed and continues to welcome people from all different denominations, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, Methodist, Baptist, you name it, consistent with the Stone Campbell movement's vision for Christian unity to move beyond denominational differences and issues that only divide the body of Christ. Now, do we all agree on everything around here? No. But is our world, especially the Christian world, far too fractured and divided? Absolutely. 
And it's our call to try to bring people together under a common belief in Jesus Christ. Five senior ministers have served this church before me. Frank Jawoda from 1943 to 1973. Claire Berry from 1974 to 1979. David Moore from 1980 to 1986. Earl Gibbs from 1988 to 1991. And Doug Lofton from 1993 to 2006. And I am honored uh, to follow in their footsteps because all of them were gifted leaders and they helped move Woodmont forward. There are many associate ministers that have served Woodmont, many board chairs, board members, officers, elders, deacons, lay leaders, volunteers who have continued to work to make Woodmont the church that it is today. This church has seen multiple building projects. It's seen fundraising events, debt reduction campaigns, new ministries, worship opportunities, new services, different mission opportunities. I think about that verse from Ecclesiastes which says, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And at Woodmont there have been times of joy and times of sorrow, times of rejoicing and times of heartache, times of unity and times of conflict, times of consensus and times of disagreement, times of celebration and times of mourning. And so many have asked, what is it that has held this church together for seven and a half decades through all the changes, through all the peaks and the valleys? What is it that has kept the spirit and the wonder of Woodmont alive since 1943? Bess Cochran says that Woodmont was planted at a moment in history when many people ravaged by war cried aloud for the reassurance that God was still active in the affairs of human beings, the young church was a symbol of that reassurance and its message across the years has lived up to its promise. Coupled with the fortuitous timing of its planning, the caliber of the men and women participating have played a major part. They were people of standing in the community who could and did attract others. And they thought big, eliminating at the start and forever the temptation to which many young churches succumb to lower their sights. They refused to envision a church on a back street or one whose visible structure would not compare favorably with any other church in the community. They held to that dictum, this one thing I do, as we read in Philippians. And while the enthusiasm that frequently actuates the founding groups at the start was present, so too was their determination to see it through, to follow up, and to see the church into its early years. So why has Woodmont survived seven and a half decades? Why has it not just survived? Why has it grown and thrived? Well, I think that what Bess Cochran said is true. The caliber of the people has played a very important part in that. But I would add to that question three words this morning. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love have played a, a central part of this congregation's spirit and vision throughout its 75 years. Faith in the one true God who created all of us 
in his image, who sustains us through prayer and scripture and service and fellowship with others. Faith in the God who reached out and revealed himself in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Faith in the one true God in whom we live and move and have our being. Faith in the one true God who makes anything and everything possible as long as we believe. And I've told you many times that I don't look at faith as just being this concept in our mind that everything will work out the way that we want it to. But I do believe that faith allows us to make it through anything that happens in life, even if it's a situation that we didn't see coming, even if it's a situation that we never possibly thought could imagine. It's our faith that gets us through that. And hope, hope that the future will be brighter than the past. Hope that the work and legacy of those who have gone before us will be kept alive for years and years to come. Hope that Woodmont will continue to change lives through its ministries and its mission and its outreach. Hope that our church will continue to serve as a house of prayer for all people with a strong commitment to hospitality and generosity. Hope that the possibilities of the future are limitless if we believe that we can accomplish great things. And then love. It's the love of God made evident in Jesus Christ. Love is what the gospel is all about. And love is what holds everything together in life and in the church. Love is what being a Christian is all about. Love is what life is all about. The message of love permeates the scriptures and we must always remind ourselves that without love, without the ability to love other people, we are nothing. We have nothing. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that whoever believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. First John 4 says, Let us love one another. Because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. For God is love. And how do we know what love is? How do we know what love looks like in our lives? I, I like what the Apostle Paul said. He said, love is patient. And love is kind. And love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things and it endures all things. Love, Paul says, never ends. And so many will ask, in 2018, why do we follow Jesus? Jesus teaches us what it means to love, to love others as we love ourselves, to love our enemies, to love no matter what life brings, to love in the face of hurt, to love in the face of disappointment and loss, to love even when that love is not returned, even when we're hurt, even when we're, we're, we're suffering the, the rejection of, of somebody that we have loved. Paul writes to the Colossians, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible. Jesus is God in the flesh. And I'm convinced that it was faith, hope, and love in Christ that, that led Dr. Roger Noe and those members from Vine Street to plant a new church right here on the south side of town. 
and they didn't pick a bad spot when it was all said and done. It was faith, hope, and love in Christ that led 100 people to go to Woodmont School on that hot July afternoon and sign that document called the Covenant to embark on a new and unknown journey. And I think it was faith, hope, and love that kept this church alive in the early years when it was building and planning and reaching new people. Uh, it's that faith, hope, and love that has defined Woodmont since its conception. And as we look to the future, it's going to be that same faith, hope, and love that will allow us to grow and to thrive and to maintain our vision and to bear good fruit. What does good fruit look like? Things like patience and kindness and joy and peace and gentleness and humility and service and outreach and justice and truth, compassion, integrity, and hope. These are the things that we're called to embody as Christians, as followers of Jesus in a world that we would always admit can lead us away from those things. Now, many of you know that Dr. Jawoda was the first minister. He was here from 1943 until 1973, and then he stayed on as emeritus after that. We actually just said goodbye uh, a few months ago to his son, uh, Justice Frank Jawoda, who served on the Tennessee uh, Supreme Court as Chief Justice. But Dr. Jawoda took a risk when he left an established church in Mayfield, Kentucky, and he moved to Nashville uh, to, to help plant a church in a large city. Uh, he brought his family, his daughter Claire Ann and Frank, who was uh, five at the time, uh, and his wife Vivian, and they came to Nashville to be a part of this church plant. He stepped out in faith, and he preached his first sermon the Sunday before Thanksgiving over in the mansion. It was called The Open Door. And five and a half years later, he would stand in this pulpit, in this sanctuary, before it was actually uh, completely done, and, and, and he would say these words. This is a new beginning. Doing the will of God does not stop at raising money and constructing buildings. The building of Christian lives is the important business of the church. And I would say that the building of Christian lives continues in a culture that is selfish and greedy and hostile and violent and polarizing and money-driven and restless and never satisfied, there is always work for us to do. So how are we doing? How are we doing individually? How are we doing collectively? How are we doing as a congregation? Do we still have an open door? Are we still spreading hope to others? Are we serving others? Are we sharing the good news of the gospel? Are we loving the same way that Christ loves us? Are we producing and yielding good fruit? Are we building on that solid foundation? At some point during his ministry here at Woodmont, Dr. Jawada took the time to write these words, and I've referred to these words often in my own ministry, but he said this. He said, this is the church of my dreams a church of the warm-hearted, open-minded, adventurous spirit, a church of the people, a church that is high, low, and broad, as high as the ideals of Jesus, as low as the humblest person, as broad as the love of God, a working, worshiping, and saving church, a church that interprets truth in terms of the times and challenges times in terms of the truth, a church that inspires courage for this life and hope for the life to come. A church 
that is worthy of our best. And next Sunday, the day that we celebrate the 75th birthday of Woodmont, we will talk about how we can continue to make this dream a reality for the next 75 years. Amen.